G'day and welcome to the Bernie Ganner Show. There's a lot packed in once again today. The US election is getting weirder and more violent. Euthanasia will end up killing more Australians in COVID-19. That won't take very long either and now it's on the agenda in Queensland and Tasmania too. The army continues its lurch into the crazy world of identity politics. The Rainbow Brigade is seeking to silence a senator from Tasmania. And of course, we once again finish with Goose of the Week. But first, we have a raging case of Stockholm Syndrome here in Australia. Stockholm Syndrome is a strange disease. It is defined as a condition in which hostages develop a psychological alliance with their captors while they are locked up. Essentially, hostages with this syndrome develop emotional bonds with those who have taken their freedom away. It is truly bizarre, but it does happen. Stockholm Syndrome was first described when four hostages taken during a bank robbery in Sweden in 1973 actually decided after they were released to defend the bank robbers and refused to testify against them in court. We are now watching a societal-wide infection of Stockholm Syndrome unfold before our very eyes. Ironically, it's not occurring in Sweden, but right here in Australia. Interestingly, there's a reason it's not occurring in Sweden. Sweden has not locked down its society. It has not been taken hostage by its own government. Its people were not shut down, not at the beginning of the pandemic, and certainly not now. Also interestingly, by the way, Sweden's infection rate has plummeted since it peaked in late June, and so have deaths from COVID-19. There have not been more than 10 deaths in a single day since the 11th of July. Since my last show, just six people have died in Sweden from coronavirus. In contrast, more than 100 people in Australia, almost all of them in lockdown Victoria, have died of the coronavirus over this last week. I guess that just goes to show that the lockdowns are not working. And it also shows that Sweden is back to normal and we are not. Yet while Sweden is recovering from this pandemic and its people are free to mingle in the streets, you cannot say the same about Australia. Victorians are applauding the insane restrictions that they now live under, even though they are not saving a single life. Victorians overwhelmingly approve the measures imposed on them by dictator Dan. 72% of them approve being locked in their homes between 8pm and 5am. 71% support the tight restrictions that prevent them from leaving home anyway outside of these times. 70% of Melburnians happily accept that they cannot travel more than 5km from home when they do venture out. And a whopping 65% of Victorians are satisfied with the performance of Daniel Andrews. Even though he leads the state with the harshest restrictions and his own government's incompetence led to the thoroughly bungled quarantine program. Let's not forget that the chief cause of Daniel Andrews' bungled program was that his government recruited security guards based on where they fit on the wokometer rather than whether they were actually competent. There is only one word that can describe the situation in Victoria. Lunacy. Quite simply, and I say this with the greatest of respect for the small number of Victorians who have managed to maintain their sanity, that this is a society that has quite simply gone mad. It's embarrassing. 
It's a society so paralyzed by mindless fear that it cheers even as it is locked up to protect itself from a disease that poses no threat at all to the vast majority of its citizens. Perhaps the greatest example of this lunacy unleashed in Victoria is that in the middle of a pandemic that is supposedly so dangerous that you would think every doctor is necessary, Victoria is deregistering doctors because of their conservative views. In April, the Victorian Civil and Administrative Tribunal decided that Dr. Jareth Cock could no longer work as a doctor because of his strong opposition to abortion and transgenderism. Hey, I guess this pandemic is not so bad that we need every doctor we can get after all. To highlight how mindless this fear of COVID-19 is, more Australians under the age of 50 have died from shark attacks in 2020 than from the coronavirus. Yes, you heard that right. There have been six fatal shark attacks in Australia in 2020, and a grand total of four Australians under the age of 50 have died from COVID-19. In other words, it is a statistical fact that 150% more Australians under the age of 50 have died in the jaws of jaws than from the Wuhan flu this year. Yet you won't hear anyone calling for a ban on swimming in the ocean. It is true that you can't swim in Victoria, but that's not because of the sharks, it's because you just can't leave home. And to cap this insanity off, the only people talking about sharks are the Greens. In between extending the state of emergency in Victoria and smoking dope, these guys want to get rid of shark nets too. As a result of the panicked insanity in Victoria, its citizens now have to deal with issues that have not really been felt before. Mothers, and I know this because I speak to them, can't buy gumboots for their kids. They just aren't in stock. Others can't find frozen berries. And if you rock up to the chemist, there's a good chance that the antibiotics you need won't be available. There is no actual reason for this. There's been no earthquake. Drought hasn't killed the rubber plantation. There's been no disaster at the factory where they pump out medication. None of this has happened. Instead, based on the paranoid fear of a disease less likely to kill the vast majority of Victorians than a great white shark, the government has shut down the economy and now there are shortages of everyday items and even medicine. So Victorians are now living like they do in less developed nations and yet the people cheer and cheer and dob in their neighbours. One woman from Victoria I've spoken to suffered a miscarriage recently. As anyone who has dealt with a miscarriage knows, this is an emotional and traumatic experience. This woman went to visit what we know these days as a support person. And then the phone rang. It was a neighbour. And it came with an ultimatum. Tell the unclean, COVID-infected strangers to leave or the cops will be called. In the current environment, it was not a threat to be taken lightly. Now, there are many things you can say about this. One of them, certainly, is that just five minutes ago, no one in Australia would have accepted that we were a nation of dobbers, prepared to rat out our neighbours to the state if they dared to have visitors. But we are now. We are a nation of dobbers. A nation of compliant, cowering dobbers. That's what we've become. Big Brother is alive and well here. It's not 1984, it's COVID-1984. Right now, you should bet that if the state decided that eating chocolate cake after 6pm caused COVID-19 and set up a hotline for informants, then the phones would light up. You should also bet that half of those dobbing in, their neighbours or work colleagues or even family members, would probably be scoffing down chocolate cake as well while they filed their reports. Because with a paranoid society 
comes both a police state and complete and utter hypocrisy. And we've got both in spadefuls right now in Victoria. Pregnant mothers are being arrested for the crime of criticising the government. The police call this heinous behaviour incitement. Have a look. I have no idea why you guys are doing this. Um, yeah, you can show me your search warrant before you go through my house. You're the occupier of the town. Yeah, I own this house. Yeah, it's, 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 it's search warrant. Search warrant for what? Now, what I will explain to you is, is if you want to listen, you've got your phone going. Yeah, I do, yeah. Right. Now, you're under arrest in relation to incitement. Incitement? Yeah. But, now, you're not obliged to say or do anything, but anything you say or do may be given in evidence. Excuse me, incitement for what? What the, What on earth? Yeah. Excuse me, what What on earth? Yeah, just put your phone down. Can you, like, record this? I'm in my pyjamas. What's this? ultrasound in an hour Yeah, pregnant. she's pregnant, so... Well, I'll take it easy. What's this about? Can I have face... an ultrasound in an hour? Let me finish and I'll explain. In relation to a Facebook post, in relation to a lockdown protest you put on for Saturday. You are being arrested, said the police to the pregnant woman as they cuffed her, because you want to protest against the government. Note that the protest had not even occurred. This woman was arrested because she might protest at some point in the future. In other words, in Victoria, the paranoia is so extreme that expectant mothers are now criminals for thought crimes. That's what occurred here. And it's going on all over the state. Here's another example. Search warrant for what? What, what gives you the authority to have a search warrant? Whoa, you do that. You know what? Leave my shit! Don't break my stuff, you fucking retard! Hey, stop breaking my shit! Leave my shit! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, alright, stop! Stop! What you just saw were examples of the Victorian police state in action. Doors are being belted down because people dare to criticise the state. And, just like any good police state, the Victorian version comes with a lecturing and hectoring fool as well. This is Victoria's version of Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons, Assistant Commissioner Luke Cornelius, defending the arrest of a pregnant mother in Ballarat because she was unhappy with Dictator Dan. Now this wasn't some casual encounter. Uh, this was... Uh, uh, our members attending a premises to execute a search warrant because we believed on reasonable grounds that the individual and the premises which was the subject of that search uh, uh, would provide to us evidence of involvement in that serious offence of inciting uh, protest. And in this occasion, it was uh, a protest in, uh, in Ballarat. It was a serious crime, lectured Chief Wigan. She was inciting protests. And here is the same Chief Wiggum last week explaining that the Constitution is not all that important. Look, the tinfoil hat wearing brigade are alive and well out there in our community and they're taking every opportunity to leverage the current situation to serve their own ridiculous notions uh, about so-called uh, sovereign citizens, um, uh, about constitutional issues. You have to wonder how any person could rise to that position of power in law enforcement when they think concern about constitutional issues is a tin pot conspiracy. The Constitution is the foundational basis for law and justice in Australia. Someone really should let Chief Wiggum know. 
and it is openly accepted by many constitutional experts that current state border closures and possibly other restrictions are unconstitutional. The only problem is that unless someone is prepared to take the states to court, it really doesn't matter. And let's face it, only Clive Palmer can really afford to do that. In the meantime, the states will just do whatever the hell they want, regardless of the constitution. So we don't live in a constitutional democracy, we live in a state of anarchy, where the law is selectively applied only in cases where those with the money do so, uh, choosing to enforce it, and where the rest of the time we just have to shut up and accept that the police will beat down your door if you whinge too much. And if that's not bad enough, the police are also complete hypocrites. Here is Chief Wiggum again speaking about the Black Lives Matter protests earlier this year. Not so much social distancing went on then, but that did not bother the Victorian police as much as a pregnant woman in Ballarat. And I want to be very clear in saying that Victoria Police understands and acknowledges the anger and frustration people feel about events taking place overseas and which are dominating our TV. Um, we absolutely understand the sentiment uh, and the anger that lies behind that. Uh, and we're very keen to support community here uh, in giving voice to their concerns and their protest and ensuring that the city is kept safe, that people in the city are kept safe and protesters are able to lawfully exercise their right to protest. So what we have here are blatant double standards. It's okay to protest if you're on the woke train. It's not okay if you're unhappy with the dictator running the joint. That's Victoria and Chief Wiggum is not alone on this. Here is Victoria's Chief Police Commissioner, Shane Sutton, explaining that when it came to dealing with the Black Lives Matter protests, no action will be taken until after they occurred and only if the Victorian Police decided, at their discretion, to take any action at all. The fact of the matter is we will today be notifying them that if this goes ahead and the protest breaches the Chief Health Officer restrictions, they will be getting infringements in all likelihood for the offence because it should not be going ahead because it's a risk of the spread of the coronavirus. That's the approach we're taking. And when we've talked about discretion during the week, that's the discretion that we say we can't possibly arrest or, or um, intervene with thousands and thousands of people tomorrow and issue infringements. So that's the discretion that will apply. But nonetheless, post the event, if it has breached, if it does go ahead, which we hope it doesn't, and if they do breach the CHO restrictions, more than 20 people there, then we'll assess that and see whether it's appropriate to issue any other infringements to anybody else or not. For the record, tens of thousands of people attended that protest in violation of the Chief Health Officer's demands. Victorian police at the protest even joined in, taking a knee. Not a single person was arrested, three people were fined, and no one was handcuffed in their pyjamas prior to the event, even though everyone knew that this protest was illegal. Staying on coronavirus, we now turn to Queensland, which has the unfortunate privilege of being led by Anastasia Palaszczuk, and she can rightly be called the baby killer. Last week, a pregnant mother lost one of her unborn baby twins because the Queensland Premier refused to let her travel from Ballina to Brisbane for emergency surgery. Queensland hospitals are for Queenslanders, thundered the Queensland Premier shortly before this tragedy occurred. Tragically, as a result of the confusion and delays surrounding the process of entering Queensland, 
A decision was made to transport the expectant mother to Sydney instead, a trip of 16 hours instead of the much shorter travel to Brisbane. And then one of those twins died. It really should come as no surprise that Anastasia Palaszczuk would put in place restrictions that endanger the lives of children. After all, she had just become the latest Catholic politician to legalise abortion up until birth and in many cases, even after the child is born. That is generally known as infanticide, but whatever, it happens in Queensland now and no one blinks an eye. It should also come as no surprise that if you live in northern New South Wales and want to travel to Queensland for an abortion, you can find all the information you need to do just that on the Marie Stopes website. Childbirth is not a medical emergency, but preventing a child from being born is. Like I said, Palaszczuk should be known as the baby killer. And she's also not short on hypocrisy in other ways either. Just days after this little baby died, Palaszczuk's government granted permission for all the AFL heavyweights to enter Queensland. The grand final will be at the Gabba. I suppose a game of football is more important than people's lives when it comes to Anastasia Palaszczuk. The US election is getting weirder. COVID has taken this year, just since the outbreak, has taken more than 100 years. Look, here's the lives. It's just, it's a, when you think about it. That was Joe Biden last week. He soon might be the most powerful man in the world, even though he cannot string a sentence together. No one really knows what he's going on about, although, to be fair, what just came out of Joe Biden's mouth made as much sense as anything anyone else is saying about the coronavirus. So if we're going to panic, it may as well be for Joe Biden's babble, as dictator Dan's demands. Meanwhile, on American streets, people are being executed for supporting Donald Trump. We got one right here, a man calls, before two pistol shots ring out. We got one right here, of course, referred to the fact that the one right here was a Trump supporter. This occurred just over a week ago. By the way, the man who was believed to have pulled the trigger was not arrested in the days that followed this shooting. He was killed by police just before I filmed this show. Why police took so long to act is a mystery, but between that shooting in Portland and his own death, Michael Forrest Reinhold, a member of Antifa, did have time to give interviews to a leftist website. I mean, I, I had a choice. I could have sat there and watched them kill a friend of mine of color. But I wasn't going to do that. You know, that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, Michael Ronald had no choice, he claims. It was either him or a Trump supporter. We got right here. This murder occurred in Portland. There has been over three months of nightly riots in Portland. It is a city that has lost or control. It's gotten so bad that the Democratic Mayor of Portland, Ted Wheeler, has now decided that he's going to move. He's sick of the protesters targeting his unit complex. These are the same violent protesters from Antifa and the Black Lives Matter movement that are channeling millions of dollars to the Democratic Party and shooting Trump supporters in the streets. Yet here is Ted Wheeler the day after the shooting. He doesn't mention Antifa. Instead, he blames it all on President Trump. President Trump for four years, we've had to live with you and your racist attacks on black people. We learned early about your sexist attitudes towards women. We've had to endure clips of you mocking 
a disabled man. We've had to listen to your anti-democratic attacks on journalists. We've read your tweets slamming private citizens to the point of receiving death threats. And we've listened to your attacks on immigrants. We've listened to you label Mexicans rapists. We've heard you say that John McCain wasn't a hero because he was a prisoner of war. And now you're attacking Democratic mayors and the very institutions of democracy that have served this nation well since its founding. Do you seriously wonder, Mr. President, why this is the first time in decades that America has seen this level of violence? Ah, we get it all now. Just by their very existence, President Trump and his supporters justify violence. It's all their fault. There'd be no shootings if everyone voted Democrats. And then after the shooting, the governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, said this. He's going to walk down the street in New York? Forget bodyguards. He better have an army if he thinks he's going to walk down the street in New York. President Trump better need an army if he visits New York. That's a threat if ever there was one. Would you really be surprised if next time you sat in front of the TV to watch the footy, it was cut off with a news flash reporting that President Trump had been assassinated? No, I don't think so. To be honest, it really is a miracle that this man is still alive. America. It's been a great nation, but now it is reduced to a state where a babbling idiot is leading the polls with a campaign message that is equal parts incoherence mixed with threats of violence. COVID-19 might be taking all the headlines when it comes to bumping off the elderly, but there's another killer in Australia that is likely to soon overtake it. It's called euthanasia. When it was first legalised, Daniel Andrews told us not to worry. About a dozen people a year would use these laws, he said. Well, the stats just released show a very different story. There were 124 deaths under euthanasia laws in its first year of operation in Victoria. That's 10 times as many as the Victorian government predicted. All up, 231 permits will be issued. Now, let's be clear. Euthanasia is no different to suicide. It is morally wrong. It has nothing to do with palliative care, which provides pain relief and medical care to people who are dying. And now both Queensland and Tasmania are looking to join Victoria in legalising euthanasia. Within a few years, it will not be uncommon to see over a thousand Australians who die this way each year. COVID-19, eat your heart out. And just remember, a state that legalises euthanasia and also decides it has the power to mandate what medical treatment you are required to take is a very scary place to live. Listen to this quote. During the 2019-2020 Australian bushfires, Various social media platforms were leveraged to generate and support a false narrative, highlighting the risk to the Australian public of disinformation and misinformation. For example, trolls and bots were active on Twitter, attempting to undermine or deny the link between the bushfires and climate change by hijacking the hashtags climate emergency, climate crimi criminals to retweet, retweet the hashtag arson emergency. At the same time, conservative news outlets and radio announcers who seemingly thrive through their contributions to misinformation and disinformation were amplifying the links between arsonists and the bushfires, misrepresenting the data and downplaying any link with climate change. And now, 
listen to this quote. Social media platforms have a role to play in fact-checking information contained on their platforms. The pressure on them to respond is increasing and they are gradually doing more, at least as it relates to COVID-19 and anti-vaxxers. And I will point out that that article had a link to a tweet of President Trump's that had been removed because it presented COVID-19 misinformation. Now, where were those words written? In an ABC article? Published by The Guardian Australia? Are they from the budding pen of a young and idealistic communist at Monash University? No. These words come from an August 26th article published by the Australian Army Research Centre. They are up right now on the Australian Army's website. It is the latest lurch to political correctness from the Australian Army Research Centre, which proudly published an article a few years ago calling for the Army to provide taxpayer-funded prostitutes, sex toys and masturbation room for soldiers on operations. And I'm not making that up. This latest article ends with the disclaimer. The views expressed in this article and subsequent comments are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Australian Army, the Department of Defence or the Australian Government. Now, that may well be the case, but I can assure you that while the Australian Army Research Centre will happily publish articles criticising conservative opinion, you will never see it post articles by those who happen to support conservative ideas. It just does not happen, which means that this disclaimer is a lie. The article I just quoted to you was written by Major Lee Harwood. Her Twitter feed questions capitalism, lampoons Donald Trump, promotes leftist politicians, and contains this doozy, criticising fragile masculinity. Lee Haywood has also written an article previously which states this, the career progression of officers in the Australian Army is heavily reliant on the merit system. Unfortunately, systemic issues with this process result in a subjectivity that undermines efforts to increase the number of women in the Army senior leadership. The introduction of bias interrupters throughout the employment pipeline will remove some of the barriers to the progression of women into senior positions, resulting in a more effective force that is better able to achieve military objectives. Lee Haywood then goes on to argue that the current merit-based promotion system should be replaced with one that promotes women based on quotas. Lee Haywood is entitled to her opinions. Why anyone in a defence force thinks they are worth publishing is a real question and it has no credible answer. Whatever national security problems we face in the future, they will not be solved with this garbage. In fact, when it does hit the fan, I predict two things. Firstly, a lot of good people will die because of this insanity. And secondly, once we regain our senses, these ideas will quickly be sent to the scrap heap. These ideas are only possible in a society that has become soft and forgotten about the hard work required to get there. The Rainbow Brigade never sleeps. I say that because it has a guilty conscience. These activists cannot live happily with others because they cannot live happily with themselves. So in a vain attempt to sate their misery, they seek out and hope to destroy anyone who refuses to affirm their lifestyle choices. This includes particularly anyone who says anything that casts doubt over the sanctity of those choices. The latest victim is Claire Chandler, a Liberal Party Senator from Victoria. Senator Chandler has been dragged before the Tasmanian 
Thorpe Police for daring to object to transgenderism and for speaking up to defend the right of actual women to have spaces such as bathrooms and toilets that are not open to men. She recently gave this speech in Parliament. It goes for about five minutes and you should listen to all of it. Senator Chandler. Last week in the Senate, I spoke about World Rugby's efforts to defend the integrity and safety of women's sport by ensuring women's rugby is for female players. At the end of my speech, I referenced the recent case of a woman being fired from her job for speaking about the reality of biological sex, and I posed the question, how do Australians know that they are free to speak about women's rights and the reality of biological sex without being censured or fired by their employer? Well, it didn't take long to get the answer to that question, because the answer is Australians are not free to acknowledge the realities of sex or to defend the integrity of women's sport. Today, I received a letter from the Tasmanian Equal Opportunity Commission summoning me to attend a conciliation conference to answer for my statements on free speech and sex-based rights. The complaint, made under the Tasmanian Anti-Discrimination Act, is in relation to an op-ed I had published in the Mercury newspaper earlier this year about, quite ironically, free speech. My op-ed started the recent publication of an open letter signed by 150 writers and academics in defence of free speech offers a glimmer of hope that we can put a stop to the anti-democratic cancel culture which has taken root in many corners of our society. Well, I'm not so sure about there being a glimmer of hope for free speech now. The complaint letter I received today goes on to say, in referencing my actions, it is clear or can be inferred from her comments that she considers people who are born male and then seek to live as a female should not have access to female toilets, facilities or sports. This is problematic because excluding someone who was designated by male at birth and currently expresses their gender as female from single-sex facilities or sport may be direct discrimination on the basis of gender identity. It is open to the Commissioner to dismiss the complaint as vexatious and without substance. But she has chosen instead to pursue it and to compel me to attend a compulsory mediation with the complainant. Another part of the complaint relates to my response to an email I received after my op-ed on free speech was published. The email I received asked me to clarify if I understand the difference between sex and gender. In my reply, I said, I do understand the difference. That's why I've made the point in my article that women's sports, women's toilets and women's change rooms are designed for people of the female sex and should remain that way. The Commissioner has found that this sentence could be considered offensive, intimidating, insulting, ridiculing or humiliating. The Commissioner goes on to say in her letter to me, it is arguable that following shifts towards unisex toilets, it is no longer necessary to have separate toilets based on sex. Of course, the complainant and indeed the Anti-Discrimination Commissioner are perfectly free to disagree with me on this issue. Indeed, they are both perfectly free to never cast a vote for me as a senator for Tasmania if they don't wish to do so. But I'm quite sure there are plenty of Tasmanians who do agree with me on this, and they have every right to have their say and for their views to be represented in the federal parliament by people such as myself. It is deeply concerning that in a democracy, instead of using our own free speech to respond and perhaps even campaign against me in an election, some people are instead seeking to use the law to silence me and every Tasmanian who shares my concerns. 
being summoned by a quasi-judicial body to appear and explain why I say that males shouldn't be in female change rooms or in female sporting competitions is an indictment on the state of free speech in this country. It is yet another example of the assault on truth and the assault on the very meaning of the word woman by activists who are determined to remove every sex-based right that women around the world have and allow anyone who identifies as a woman into women's sports and women's spaces. I will not be silenced. Mm -hmm. Unlike 24 million other Australians, I am fortunate to have this platform in our nation's parliament to be able to speak and to be heard. But this complaint, just like the complaints and the legal actions in recent years against others for saying what they believe in, sends a clear and chilling message to every Australian that free speech is dramatically under threat in this country. A message that if you say something that an activist movement somewhere doesn't like, then you will be hauled before a tribunal and punished. And a message that no matter how ludicrous the demands of activists are, you must comply or face the consequences. I, and millions of others, will not submit myself to the demands of those who deny reality, and I will not accept this outrageous incursion on the free speech of every Australian. Thank you, Senator Chandler. Good on Senator Chandler for having the courage to speak the truth and for fighting back. We should all hope that she succeeds in this fight. I just have two questions. Firstly, Tasmania is led by a Liberal government. Why is it funding the Tasmanian Anti-Discrimination Commission instead of bulldozing this waste of space organisation into the ground? And secondly, can someone please show me the dude who assigns gender at birth? If this really does occur, and there are so many transgender people out there, he needs to be sacked. Well, it's that time again, Goose of the Week. We live in a world driven by pandemic facing an economic meltdown and with rising international and domestic political tension. In these times, it's lucky we have Kate Blanchett to remind us of exactly what is not important, and that's Film Festival Awards. Kate's upset because she's been called an actress, which really is rather surprising for her to be upset about, given she actually is an actress. However, our Goose of the Week now wants to be called an actor. Whatever. But please permit me to vent some frustration with Blanchett, who also claims to be a feminist. It's all so confusing. Does she want to be recognised as a woman of power, or does she want us to ignore her powerful femininity? I'm really not sure. She does want to be called an actor, so I'm just going to assume that she no longer wants to be called a feminist either. I'm just going to applaud Kate Blanchett, the manist, who is our dead set goose of the week. Give her a round of applause. Before I go, I must wish all the dads out there a very happy Father's Day, including my own dad, who has been such a wonderful role model to me. Now, stay tuned to The Good Source. Tomorrow, Corinne Barraclough will feature an interview with former Senator David Lionhelm talking about men's mental health and suicide. It is a very timely topic. And on Palo Talk Live on Tuesday, there will be an analysis of the major parties in regards to life. Do not miss it if you live in Queensland. And finally, free speech should be free, but producing good source is not. If you can sign up to provide regular donations, please do so. Your help will help us to keep this content going. 
Bernard Gaynor Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Bernard Gaynor. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news. Good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show. 